The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. And welcome back to Hoopball Hawks, the show here on the Hoopball Network that is taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm recording this on Tuesday, July 27th with the NBA draft two days away. There's still a lot of uncertainty and rumors surrounding the NBA draft with trades, including one that was executed yesterday between the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. But not much draft chatter around the Atlanta Hawks at 20th right now in the first round of this year's draft. But there's rumors out there that we will talk about on this show regarding the Atlanta Hawks. John Collins was offered a qualifying offer from the team the other day. That will officially make John Collins a restricted free agent. We will talk about that. I'm going to talk about the Hawks' disrespect that I talk about on this program. Will it stop after the success they had this past year? You'll hear my take on that. And as well as NBA draft with first, second round picks, who the Hawks should they be looking at? So we're going to talk shop here on Hoopball Hawks today after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is is that no cash is required to enter and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. We're going to start off with John Collins. Now, like I said, news a couple days ago, the Atlanta Hawks will extend a qualifying offer worth about $7.7 million to John Collins, officially making him a restricted free agent this August. So this was the only step 
that Atlanta needed to do in this process in hopes of re-signing John Collins. You had to extend that qualifying offer. And full disclosure, Hawks fans or listeners of the program, do not be surprised when we see John Collins decline that offer. $7.7 million is not what he's worth. He's worth well above that. He proved that this year and in the years before. And he's going to command a lot of money this offseason because of the limited selection as far as forwards in this free agent class. And there are several teams interested in his services. According to Shams via Twitter, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who desperately want and need a lot, but they have the bare bones of a potentially decent roster for the next few years with Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and last year's rookie first-round pick, Anthony Edwards, number one draft pick in uh, Anthony Edwards. And we will talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves a little bit later as there is a rumor connected to a Hawks player regarding the Minnesota Timberwolves. But other teams interested in John Collins' services, Dallas Mavericks, Miami Heat, and San Antonio Spurs are also on that list for the John Collins sweepstakes. So John Collins will have options this offseason. I got options, baby. Shout out Earth Gang, Wale, great song. But the Hawks will have to be competitive and make decisions this offseason. And the decisions will be kind of built around signing John Collins and the contingencies if they do not land John Collins, whether it's due to draft, through free agency, a trade, trying to replace him if they cannot secure John Collins through this free agency period. And as I said, money-wise, the Hawks will still have to pay Trey Young, who will undoubtedly get a max contract, and that could be upwards to almost $170 million. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. He's, he's going to get his money, and he should because we need to lock down Trey Young for the foreseeable future. It was always John Collins, always that – Will we be able to bring him back? We're going to find out this offseason. And for those who did not know John Collins' numbers this year, John Collins averaged 17.6 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game. He shot almost 56% from the field, almost 40% from the three-point line, and 83% from the foul line in 63 games played out of 72 games. In his shortened season, he averaged 29 minutes per game. Great numbers for a young athletic big, especially a stretch four in today's NBA who can really help all those teams that I listed, including the Atlanta Hawks, win now. In other news today, the Hawks pick up Chris Dunn's $5 million player option, according to Shams as well, for the 2021-22 NBA season. And I tweeted that... Once this move was announced, I said that this is going to be a good move. One, because as I mentioned on this program in previous episodes, if you want to keep him as a backup guard who can be an elite defender in his league and play alongside of Trey Young, Bogey, Herter, Lou Will, whoever is the primary ball handler in whatever lineup you put out, you put out Dunn as the perimeter defender in that lineup. And I think that's a great role for Chris Dunn. He could be the P.J. Tucker 
for the Hawks, minus the obviously corner three-point shot that P.J. Tucker has established his credibility on outside of being a really good defender. But on the other side of the coin, he could be a player, as Chris Kirshner, a friend of the program from The Athletic, tweeted, a piece to potentially move, and he predicted in a tweet that this move could be either before the season starts or during the draft, potentially, on Thursday night. And there has been some chatter as far as potentially moving on from Chris Dunn. His value isn't ultra high right now, and it's because of his availability as far as injury. He's known to be injured, you know, throughout his early part of his career. And I think the Hawks would benefit either way as far as keeping him or trading him away. Like I said, he's unfortunately had a tough time staying on the court in his career, but an offseason where he's healthy, he can potentially partake in training camp. Who knows for Chris Dunn? You're not going to, I mean, if you keep him, you're not getting a lot of offensive bench production from him. You're not going to get a lot of points or high assist numbers. He's never been that type of guy. He can get to the cup, he can get to the foul line, but he's not going to be a great jump shooter, three point shooter. That's not his forte. And that uncertainty as far as what he will be next year is why I'm either way on this decision because we have seen, you know, management done right, do right, sorry, as far as with the Atlanta Hawks franchise since Travis Schlink has been here as the GM for the Atlanta Hawks. And as big as last offseason was, Hawks had a lot of cap room to spend last year, and they did what they had to do and should have done was bring veteran pieces in to help this young roster. And they did it, and they succeeded. Now this offseason, now it's about keeping your core together and figuring out who will or needs to be a part of the next steps as far as this team ascending in the Eastern Conference. And, and if there's a deal to be made for Chris Dunn, that accomplishes that goal of continuing to move the needle forward for this Atlanta Hawks franchise, by all means, make that move. Make it! Also, with the New Orleans Pelicans dropping back in the draft, moving on from Eric Bledsoe, they drafted Kira Lewis last year as a guard out of Alabama. He showed some flashes for the Pelicans, and the uncertainty of Lonzo Ball returning in New Orleans, even though they made the Valatunis trade, to open up cap room so they can at least extend a qualifying offer to Lonzo and start the negotiation process to bring Lonzo back because they're trying to keep Zion Williamson happy. The Pelicans have now been linked to Jared Butler, who is my number one choice for the Hawks at 20 if he does fall to the 20th pick in the first round of this year's NBA draft. But if the Pelicans do end up taking Butler and the Hawks decide to move on from Chris Dunn, Maybe as far as looking at the psyche for the Hawks tied to the NBA draft, maybe the Hawks are really looking for more scoring off the bench. And that's why they're, you know, fine with moving on from Chris Dunn. And if that is the case, Cam Thomas, the guard out of LSU, who slotted in a lot of mock drafts going to Atlanta at the 20th pick, he's the guy who's going to give you instant buckets off the bench. My comp was watching him play. Brad Beal-ish, but more Lou Will. He's going to be a guy who's going to be a bucket, whether he comes off the bench or you plug him in your starting lineup. He's just going to go out there and score. Or 
if you don't want just full-on scoring, because Cam Thomas isn't a great defender. He'll give uh, effort on a defensive end, but he's not known as a really good defensive player. Do you go with a younger, better version of Chris Dunn? And another prospect that I'm really high on in Jaden Springer out of Tennessee. He's 6'4 and a quarter, almost a 6'8 wingspan for a guy who can play the one or two guard position. He's 18 years old, so he's young. Physical guard, very physical guard for a young player. He's a solid rebounder as a guard. Has really active hands per 36 minutes last year. He averaged two steals per 36 minutes. Very good on a defensive end. He can score at all three levels on the court. He can shoot the three ball very effectively. He was a 43% three-point shooter last year. He can get to the cup and finish in traffic. He's not afraid in the paint. And I've seen him hit a couple step-back jumpers in his short time at the University of Tennessee as a volunteer. And the more film I watch on Jaden Springer, the more I like him for this Hawks team. Coming off the bench as a playmaker, three-point shooter, shot creator, and defender. Now, he's not an above-the-rim type player, which you don't necessarily need at the guard position. It's a nice luxury to have. And he has some room to grow as a playmaker. And I think if we bring back Lou Will, Lou Will be a great mentor. Honestly, for either of these players in Cam Thomas and Springer, the playmaking aspect, Lou Will could be a great mentor for either of these picks. But what you can't teach in Springer is his motor and how he plays on a defensive end. I think he's going to be a great boost off the bench as a guy who can defend and make shots for this Atlanta Hawks team. Springer's knocks or shortcomings would be considered as his three-point shooting attempts. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes. He has trouble staying on the court as far as not fouling in his turnovers. But again, he's young. He can mature and grow in that aspect. And I said, I love Cam Thomas as an LSU fan. And from what I saw, he needs to get better at defending on that end of the floor. But he has a knack for jumping in passing lanes and starting to break as far as in transition. But it depends on if whatever the Hawks want. You have that flexibility at 20. Do you go with the elite score? Do you go with the guy who's a 3 and D type combo guard? Or I talked about, you know, Trey Murphy the third as well. That's a very interesting prospect who I'll talk about a little bit later in the program and talked about last program. So, like I said, the Hawks can go in at 20 and pick a guy who can come in with upside and can contribute right away on a team that kind of has some slots already filled as far as a perennial title contender for years to come. Again, free agency, we need to get more rim protection and we need to find a backup point guard, whether it is Springer or we find somebody in free agency or later in the draft, who knows? But those are the needs, but these are two guys who can come in, play right away and make an immediate impact on his team. As I said, the NBA draft is two days away on Thursday, July 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN and ABC. So it will be shown simultaneously on both networks. Again, the Hawks pick 20th in the first round, 48th in the second round. And again, to recap last episode, I said the draft needs for the Hawks, 
backup point guard, who I mentioned, Jared Butler from Baylor, um, Springer from Tennessee, Cam Thomas from LSU, and Sharif Cooper from Auburn. And I said a stretch forward, Trey Murphy the third, who is my my guy as far as if we get a stretch power forward. He could be a great backup plan for if the Hawks cannot bring back John Collins. And there is a rumor that has surfaced that the Minnesota Timberwolves have an interest in trading for Dedalo Gallinari. And I wanted to mention this on this podcast today. We as Hawks fans were extremely fortunate for all the games that Gallinari played in last year. As a guy who was known to have injury problems in his career, especially early in his career, but the last three years in the league, he's had a pretty good bill of health in the league. He provided a lift off the bench offensively throughout the entire season and the postseason. And he had his moments where Gallo was the guy carrying carrying the Hawks offensively. And if you're looking at potentially moving on from Gallo, I don't think you should move on from him in year one. But in his last two years of his contract, Gallinari is set to make $20.4 million and $21.4 million, respectively, in each of the next two years. When At the end of his contract, he'll be 34 years old. That's a lot of money for an aging forward in the NBA who has a history of injury problems. He's not an elite rebounder, not really athletic at all. He's pretty stiff at times on the court. And the reports that the T-Wolves are trying to shot Jared Culver with the emergence of Anthony Edwards, and rightfully so because Anthony Edwards looked great in his rookie year. But if you're the Hawks, I don't think you go for Jared Culver. You don't need him. You really don't. The only person that I would even listen to conversation about trading Gallinari is if the Timberwolves offer up Malik Beasley on the table. And that's if he's available. Even though he's made some mistakes off the court in his young career, he could be a great scorer off the bench if you move on from Gallinari or if Lou Will somehow does not come back next year. Malik Beasley would be a wonderful guy off the bench to score. But Minnesota would still have to give up picks in a throwaway contract to get Gallinari, like I said, $20 plus million for the next two years. And even if you could get someone younger for Gallinari who could be a bench scorer as far as an exchange and a trade head up, I do not think there's a deal to be had with the Minnesota Timberwolves, especially, as I said, one season with Gallinari. Moving on from Gallinari next year could be a thing, if it's a thing. But I think after this year, you don't move on from him. I think you give Gallinari another healthy year or another year in general off the bench to continue to do what he does, especially since the Hawks will be without Oyeka Nkongwu. It is imperative that Danilo Gallinari stays on this roster right now and the Hawks go get a big in free agency to keep Gallo out of the five position, unless obviously they're running a small ball lineup, then you move Gallo to the five or move Gallo to the three. You have that flexibility with him, even though he is a couple steps slower than he was younger in his career. But I think you go get a big in free agency, you keep Gallo, and obviously you figure out what you do with the draft, getting another body or so, and then you wait until Okongu can come back. Preferably in the draft, like I said, that's why Trey Murphy the third is a really, really intriguing prospect because he has the ability to already hit threes at a high clip. He's a 40% three-point shooter. He was 50% from the floor, 90% from the free throw line. 
And to pair that with an Oyeko Okongwu, who is a defensive stopper, who can play more in the paint, uh, he will probably get physically stronger, obviously depending on how he can really train this offseason. But you have a guy who's explosive, rebound, defend, and then you have another guy who can switch it up, Trey Murphy, who can play away from the basket, uh, do the dribble drives, get to the cup. I think that, like I said, you don't listen to talks with the T-Wolves about Gallinari, at least not this year. So back to the draft. I went on that long tangent, but I wanted to address that rumor on this program. Like I said, backup point guard. I mentioned Jared Butler again from Baylor, national champion, most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament last year, Big 12 Sports Person of the Year, the 6'3", 195-pound guard, averaged almost 17 points per game, almost five assists, three rebounds, two steals a game, shot just under 42% from three, 47% from the field. He did a lot of things well. Just in general, he's just a well-rounded basketball player, tough basketball player. I compared him to a Jalen Brunson type guy to have a solid backup point guard off the bench. I think he may be gone at 20. That's why if you go stretch four, if you decide to move on from Gallo in the next year or so, or if John Collins is gone, Trey Murphy, the third, six, nine and a quarter, 205 pound, small forward, power forward from Virginia. And like I said, this guy, he did not shoot the three a lot. He needs more attempts, in my opinion. He's averaged 11 points, three rebounds per game. He needs to get a little bit bigger, a little stronger. He needs to add to that frame, 206 pounds and 6'9". He looks pretty frail. At times when I was watching him on the film, he kind of moved like Brandon Ingram, but he didn't have the jump shot, you know, the mid-range jump shot that Brandon Ingram has. I think he has that capability with his high release point and as great of a shooter that he is. He can shoot the ball flat out. I mean, he was a 90, almost a 93% free throw shooter last year at Virginia, and he shot 43% from the three-point line. He's very efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over, and I think that he's a guy who does not eat up the ball as far as needing the ball in his hands. Um, he's not going to create for others. You have to set him up, similar to John Collins in a way, but I think he can put the ball on the floor a little bit better at this point of his career than John Collins. So I think he could be a, a decent guy to look at. And I've seen comps to Robert Covington and James Jones, which are not bad players at all. Three and D type guy. I think Trey Murphy, he shows effort on the defensive end. I've seen him get blocks, especially against smaller guys he's guarding. And he has sneaky athleticism, so I think he can be a decent defender in his league. He just needs to get a little bit more weight on his frame. But he can be a decent one-two punch at the four position with, you know, whenever Oyeko Kongu comes back and you have a guy who can stretch the floor and Trey Murphy the third. And like I said, he's going to have to continue to do some growth physically and mentally as far as being more aggressive and confident. But that's a young player. He needs to get into the league, get a feel, and grow in that aspect. But I really like Trey Murphy potentially at 20. I mentioned Jaden Springer already, the combo guard out of the University of Tennessee. 6'4", 200 pound, can play the one and the two. He averaged almost, well, 12 and a half points last year. Uh, three assists, three rebounds. He's a really good rebounder as a guard. Uh, shot 43.5% from three, 81% from the free throw line, uh, forty just under 47% from the field. He's known as a defensive stopper on the perimeter. So 3 and D type guard. He's 18 years old, old, sorry, 
He needs a little bit more maturity as a distributor offensively, limiting turnovers, but I think he could be a guy that can make an immediate impact on his team. I mentioned Sharif Cooper, the Powder Springs, Georgia native. Went to Auburn, averaged 20 points per game, eight assists, four rebounds, shot almost 83% from the free throw line. Great playmaker, only played in 12 games at Auburn due to NCAA suspension that was finally uplifted. And he's a very explosive option, even though he's undersized at 6'1", 180. Off the bench, you can be, you know, the point guard, set things up, can score in his own right. Um, not a great jump shooter. Could be a liability on defense because of his stature and high turnovers. Not efficient yet, but he's still young and can mature on that regard. And then Cam Thomas, enough said. He's a bucket. Went to LSU. Averaged 23 points per game as a freshman. He's 6'4", Oak Hills. Oak Hill Academy's all-time leading scorer. He's he's going to be a baller in this league. He's going to be a bucket in this league. And I would not be upset if the Hawks got him to come off your bench. Second round pick at 48. It's kind of a wide range of players. I've seen a bunch of people write about different players as far as who the Hawks can get in the second round at pick 48. I've seen MJ Walker from Florida State. Herb uh, Jones from Alabama. But the two players that... If they happen to fall to 48, I say, if you're the Hawks, go get them. This first guy, G League guy, um, he for went, he foregoed and passed up the opportunity to go to college, went to the G League right away. Isaiah, Isaiah Todd could go anywhere from late first round to mid-second round, but an exciting prospect as he is athletic as all get out. He's explosive. He's 6'10". He can finish around the rim. He can shoot the three. He moves well for his size. And he gives you a potential two-way player vibes when you watch him. I mean, he's 6'10 with a 7'1 wingspan. He already has professional experience in the G League. And average about 11, 12 points in the G League in his first year. I think he'd be a pretty good replacement if Gallo happens to be gone. You can slide him in and you get someone who's a little younger, more explosive, a better defender who can shoot the three. Um, even though he's not obviously not as experienced as Gallo playing international ball in all these years in the NBA, but he's young and he fits with the timeline of this young core. And I think he could be an exciting prospect if he does fall to 48. And another guy, and if I butchered his name, I'm sorry, I guess it's Juhan uh, Bagarin. He's an Interesting prospect from France. He is almost 6'6". He's a combo guard. Pretty raw as far as his skills. But he has a lot of potential. And he could benefit from being on a G League team. So coming, you know, being drafted in the second round. And we put him immediately on the Skyhawks in College Park. This guy, he has some things that you cannot teach. His athleticism. Explosiveness. He's strong already for a young player. He's almost... Almost has a seven-foot wingspan. He can defend. He has a high motor, decent handles, and loves to run. He needs to develop as a point guard as he plays more of the two-guard in the film that I've seen. So his passing and vision isn't necessarily there to be a point guard in the NBA yet. But he's raw. He can use some guidance, some maturity, and being placed in the right system with some um, pretty good guards and company. Lou Will, Trey Young, obviously Nate McMillan will be in the guard in this league for a lot of years. I think between those three, they can really help develop this kid who has a lot of potential, a lot of skill, but still it's a little bit rough around the edges. So he's an exciting prospect to maybe grab at in the second round. And 
That's what the second round is for. You get a prospect that you can put on your G League team to develop so they get some minutes, get some, you know, growth, some instruction, but obviously not just sit on the end of a bench and not get any reps. Or you can try to find a gym that, like Isaiah Todd, I think he'd be a gym who can make an immediate impact right away if he falls to 48. But get a pick that you can really roll the dice with if you're the Hawks in the second round. So we'll see what happens with the second round. Obviously, it depends on who is the best available, who is the best fit, who you're willing to take a chance on. And that really is dictated by who all goes from picks 1 through 47. And then when 48 comes around, the Hawks will make a decision that is best for them. Last year in the second round, we got Skylar Mays. And then undrafted, we got Nathan Knight. Two really good players, late round values. And we're not complaining about having either of them. And I really hope either one of them, especially Nathan Knight, can get some opportunity. Well, Skylar Mays as well. I hope they can both get some time on the G League team and really, you know, grow their games and get more reps. But I wanted to close this program out. Draft is two days away. I'm really excited. You know, hit me up on Twitter on your draft thoughts. Who should we get at 20? Who should we get at 48? Uh, do we move the picks? Let me know what you think. You know, hit me up on Twitter at Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67 on Twitter. I'll plug it later in the show. But I wanted to end the episode talking about the Hawks' disrespect. It's something I talk about a lot on this program. The disrespect that the Hawks get, whether it's, you know, the city of Atlanta with in regards to the NBA, uh, their, you know, history in the league, obviously not winning an NBA title since they have been here in Atlanta. They've been to only two Eastern Conference Finals, including this year. So not a lot of success to draw from as far as franchise success with the Atlanta Hawks. And I think the past has led to the Hawks this past year only getting four national televised games before the playoffs this year. Getting no all-star selections. No all-NBA players selected. Whether defensive team, no Trey Young in either of the first, second, or third teams as far as the NBA goes. And another notable thing about no all-stars they moved the All-Star game to Atlanta this year. You have Ben Simmons, who is a guard, quote-unquote, drop out and not play in the All-Star game. You have Trey Young in the metro area here in Atlanta. In the NBA, you don't pick up the phone and call him. A guy who should have been an All-Star, you don't pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, baby. He was at home. Yeah, he was at home. So, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Nate McMillan not being in the top three for coach of the year. No one picking the Hawks in the first two series to win against the New York Knicks and then the Philadelphia 76ers, and they won both. So, again, the, the Hawks exceeded expectations this year. They did. And I think next year, the Hawks will get more national televised games. They're probably going to get a game or two with the Bucks. The Knicks, they're definitely going to get a game with the Knicks, especially how the New York fans reacted to Trey Young. That's going to be must-see TV. I think the Celtics will be a possibility. We always play the Grizzlies on national television. The Mavericks as well, obviously. Luka, Trey, that connection. They're going to be on national television. Obviously, the, re the surgence 
of the Charlotte Hornets is going to be intriguing to watch on national TV. The Brooklyn Nets, I think the Miami Heat in their own division as well. I think the Phoenix Suns, since quietly the Hawks split the series with the Suns this year, they blew them out in the second game. In the first game, they were a couple possessions in the fourth quarter away from winning that game. Honestly, whoever the Hawks play, I think they're getting more national televised games, especially with the lore of Trey Young. I think more teams will take Atlanta seriously as a contender in this league. And I think barring health, Trey Young will be a shoe-in to be an all-star next year. If the Hawks repeat their success from this past year, Nevin Millen will be a coach of the year candidate. And I think there's going to be other potential accolades possible for this Atlanta Hawks team next year. If they handle business this offseason and obviously hit the ground running and take care of business throughout the next season in 2021-2022 season. But here's where people are going to try to undercut the success for the Hawks this year to try to belittle us, and this is where the disrespect is going to come from. People may argue this year was a fluke for the Hawks. Oh, there was a lot of injuries in the East. You know, the Nets. Uh, Embiid was hurting your series, guys. Um, the Celtics. Oh, I mean, like, people are going to throw a lot of dirt on his team's success this year. And again, there were some injuries to some significant players in the Eastern Conference, notably the Brooklyn Nets. We didn't play the Brooklyn Nets, so that argument is irrelevant. But it will be tough to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals next year. I agree with that. It's going to be tough. And again, that aspect right there, people are going to throw dirt on the Hawks. They're going to throw dirt right there. But here's the thing. Again, we played the New York Knicks in the first round. Knicks were healthy. No complaints. They were a healthy team. They were more healthy than the Atlanta Hawks, and we beat them. Well, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid was hurt, guys. Yeah, he was hurt. Um, Joel Embiid still played and was still dominant in that series in the game. They went to game seven, and Hawks still won. That's neither here nor there. And then you get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You can argue that the Hawks were a potential Trey Young injury away from potentially going to the NBA Finals. Who knows how that season series would have ended if Trey Young were healthy, didn't have the foot injury, the bone bruise. And like I said, they're going to downplay this run. And again, this will be hard for, you know, with the rosters in the East, with people returning, being healthy. You never know. Obviously, with trades and shift and movement in the Eastern Conference this offseason, the Eastern Conference Finals is not given to the Atlanta Hawks next year. And as much as some Hawks fans think that the disrespect should end after what happened this year, people will chuck this up to a one-and-done year. As an LSU football fan, after hearing you know this post-2019 national championship season, they're calling LSU a program that's won four national titles now a one-and-done after winning in 2019. Yes, that was an incredible year, but to call them one and done when they're a team that's won four national titles as a program is absurd. Now, the Hawks don't have the cachet as far as in the NBA historically yet, but I don't think the Hawks are a one and done. And as many people may say that the Hawks bandwagon is full right now, I don't think it's as full as we think right now. I think the I think there's still going to be some sliding and some disrespect and some uncertainty. Like, I don't know about Atlanta. You had a good year last year, but I don't know about this year. I think that the Hawks should feed into this, add this as motivation, and fuel them 
to retool their roster and their team, get healthy, keep this team intact as best as they can, and play with an edge all next year. The respect tour that I talked about at the beginning of the 2020-2021 NBA season, it will continue 2021-2022. And as annoying as it will be to continue to hear the national audience not give Atlanta the respect they deserve, whether it's their fans, whether it's the success they had this past year, their roster, their youth, whatever, I don't care. All I know is that it's going to be a healthy league next year, hopefully, fingers crossed. And we are entering a time where the Hawks have a legitimate chance to win an NBA title in the next five years. I believe in that. I stand by that statement. They have an opportunity to do that. With how this team is constructed now, and I think this is why, again, this offseason is very, very important because they need to navigate accordingly to continue to retool, keep this team intact, and continue to add fuel to the fire and add in motivation to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals next year with the roster they roll out at the beginning of the 2021-22 NBA season. It starts with the draft Thursday. It may start with a trade beforehand. Chris Dunn, Gallo, who knows? We're going to see what happens in the next couple days. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share it with fellow Hawks fans, Atlanta sports fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, ceiling fans, whoever has ears. I don't think ceiling fans have ears, but whoever has ears and want to hear about the Atlanta Hawks, put them onto this podcast, share it with them. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67. I will be on a live hoopball draft show giving my live reaction on Thursday night around 10 p.m. Eastern Time to whoever the Hawks pick at 20. And I'm very excited that my friend Alan invited me to cover that slot. So check me out there. Continue to look out for new Hoopball Hawks episodes. The offseason is just getting started. So get your popcorn. It's going to be a show. And we are all excited to see where do we go from here? Where does this Hawks team go from here as the 2021-2022 NBA season comes? This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.